This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I'm Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. We're going to read some haiku later in the show for our new subscribers over at Patreon, patreon.com slash districtsentinel. Five bucks a month to get access to all the bonus content we put out, including Friday's Garbage Can Show. And you get your own haiku written for you and read on the air. So uh, looks like Congress still no closer to a, a deal here on a coronavirus relief package. Huh, Sam? Uh, latest talks have broken down. That is indeed what is going on. I uh, was watching the Senate morning business to uh, try to get an idea of where things are in terms of uh, negotiations. And Mitch McConnell was basically just saying, you know, Democrats are uh, are trying to kill a bunch of people. And, uh, and and Chuck Schumer was saying that, well, we, we negotiated with them and we already uh, said we would uh, reduce our demands by a trillion if they would uh, up their price by a trillion and... Uh, they wouldn't do it. Surprising to me, Chuck Schumer, that they wouldn't do it. Uh, but anyway, the point is, is that what a depressing time right now. I mean, uh, you know, there are so many people out there in need and shit's just broken down. And you can't just say it's really only uh, uh, the Senate Republicans because the House has totally adjourned. The, the Democratic-controlled House has is, is just gone on recess until September. Steny Hoyer announced it yesterday. Ugh. And, uh, like, what the fuck? If you are relying on that pandemic unemployment assistance right now, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're uh, having to rely on... Trump's executive order right now, which uh, is on questionable legal ground, one, but two, is a pay cut, amounts to a benefit cut for the people who are receiving these benefits. And three, it's unclear if states are going to even be able to administer these programs. Um, More reporting Or pay for them. Yeah. More reporting today from the state of Massachusetts saying that, like, they have no idea how this is going to work. Look, I'm not trying to... uh, uh, sort of uh i'm no spring chicken i guess is what i want to say i uh nothing that goes on in washington i'd like to think can surprise me but you know to actually see the system fail on a large scale in real time and and think about what that means for people relying on these benefits it's it's just uh really turns your stomach yeah well let's uh get on with the rest of what's happening in washington it's tuesday august 11th 2020 here's the news the top government auditor is clashing with the trump administration over the multi-trillion dollar coronavirus relief program yesterday the government accountability office released a letter to the special inspector general for pandemic relief a Trump appointee, an ex-White House lawyer named Brian Miller. The GAO's general counsel told Miller that the agency does have oversight over the entire coronavirus relief program, 
Contrary to claims made by the Inspector General, the previous week, Miller's office had put out a report asserting jurisdiction over Division A of the CARES Act while claiming GAO only oversees Division B. The distinction would mean that Williams oversees the big money, the new programs established under the CARES Act. This includes the Paycheck Protection Program, Pandemic Unemployment Assistance, the Federal Eviction Moratorium, the Airline Bailout, etc., etc. Division B mostly contains supplemental funding for programs that already existed before the CARES Act was passed, extra money for food stamps and things like that. Basically, if you were in the Trump administration and you wanted to make sure that you and your friends got away with plundering the public, you would want oversight of Division A. There is, however, some independent oversight of Division A, a Congressional Oversight Commission. The bad news, as you might recall, one of the two members is Donna Shalala, a multimillionaire congressperson given the job by Nancy Pelosi, who appointed Shalala over the left-leaning Katie Porter, who, according to journalist David Dayan, lobbied heavily for the gig And uh, as Porter demonstrates in committee hearing after committee hearing, she is very committed uh, to economic regulation oversight. Uh, Donna Shalala, mm, not so much. On Friday, the commission held its first hearing. Panel explored the Federal Reserve's lag in setting up its Main Street lending facility. The program was given $600 billion by Congress. So far, the Fed has dispensed only $200 million, as the New York Times notes. That's just three hundredths of a percentage point of the program's total funding. Shout out to Sentinel shadow producer Matt for the assist on this story. A new study out on Tuesday reveals the toll the coronavirus pandemic is having on healthcare workers across the country. The Guardian and Kaiser Health News have found that more than 900 doctors, nurses, and hospital workers have succumbed to COVID-19. Dozens of those deaths are a result of not having access to proper protective equipment. The news outlet also found that at least 35 healthcare workers died after federal workplace safety complaints were lodged against their job site. Through crowdsourcing data, the study found 922 to be exact hospital workers who've died from COVID and specifically identified 167 of those workers by name, background, and profession. Of that latter block, a majority, 62%, were people of color. 31% reported not having adequate access to PPE. And the median age of those who died was 57. But the ages ranged from 20 years old to 80 years old, with 13% of the deaths among people younger than 40. Also troubling, family members of those healthcare workers who have died are reporting difficulty accessing death benefits under the worker compensation system. Families of nurses, physician assistants, and hospital custodial staff who've died are being denied benefits because dying of COVID falls under the same category as dying of the flu or the common cold and simply isn't covered. Also, families are required to prove their loved one acquired the virus while at work, something that's very difficult to establish. Kaiser and The Guardian also reported that since July, when the Trump administration changed COVID-19 reporting procedures, access to reliable data about the pandemic has grown more limited. Quote, gaps in government data have increased the need for independent tracking, the report stated. 
an update on the Trump administration's gift of emergency storage to oil companies. The Department of Energy said that since the start of the month, firms taking part in the storage program have taken back roughly 10% of the barrels that they put in. Space in the Strategic Petroleum Reserve was lent by the administration this spring, with oil prices plummeting at the onset of the pandemic. Nine companies put a total of 23 million barrels into the SPR. This was after Trump tried but failed to get Congress to buy 77 million barrels to totally fill the reserves to the top, as the president put it. As we reported in May, the majority of the space leased went to just two companies, ExxonMobil and Energy Transfer Partners. The latter is the parent company of Sunoco and the owner of the Dakota Access Pipeline. Exxon has now taken some of its oil back, while Energy Transfer Partners has not, according to Reuters. The storage leases are good until the end of March next year. Oil is currently trading at five-month highs on global markets at above $40 per barrel, but world oil prices are still lower than they were at the start of the year before the full spread of COVID-19. Still at that time, at the start of the year, oil companies were already taking hammering losses. That's according to a government analysis released last month. The Energy Information Administration said that in the first quarter, 40 publicly traded oil companies wrote down $48 billion in assets. The companies combined produced 30% of all U.S. liquid energy. Construction of the southern border wall is responsible for the current biggest threat to endangered species in the southwest U.S. It's not according to Sam and I, who've been frequently reporting on the Department of Homeland Security waiving environmental laws to construct the border wall. It's actually the assessment of people within the administration. According to emails obtained through FOIA by High Country News, there was a series of dire communications between U.S. Fish and Wildlife officials and DHS agents about how construction activities are disrupting nearby ecosystems. It occurred last year as DHS was siphoning water from an underground aquifer underneath the San Bernardino National Wildlife Refuge. The aquifer sustains the refuge as an essential water source. However, DHS began dipping into the aquifer to mix cement for wall construction. Beginning in fall 2019, Fish and Wildlife officials began warning DHS that water levels at several ponds on the refuge had dropped, quote, precipitously. One email from Bill Radke, the manager of the refuge, called the situation a, quote, dire emergency. The email exchanges show, however, that DHS officials did little to remedy the situation. And in fact, when the department was asked to reduce water drilling near the aquifer, DHS actually set up wells even closer to it. In a December 12th email, Radke labeled DHS activities as, quote, the current greatest threat to endangered species in the southwest region, end quote. DHS claims that it is working with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers and contractors to replace current wells and pumps with ones that will preserve the aquifer water levels. However, as recently as May, ongoing pumping was still drying up ponds and destroying ecosystems, putting at risk several endangered species, including the Yaki Chub, a silver, bulgy-eyed creature about the size of a minnow. Got to protect that Yaki Chub, Sam. Always got to protect the Chub. That music means... It's time to move on to the poetry portion of the show where we read haiku for our new subscribers over at patreon.com slash district sentinel. 
Sam, why don't you get us started? This is for Harvey. I miss corner stores. Stopping in for snacks on walks. Cajun mix, come back. Thank you, Harvey. This is for Justin. There's a pandemic still, so don't go to the bar. Vote Ilhan Omar. Thank you, Justin. This is for Ifran. Millennials rise. With one voice, we will tell them we hate small business. Thank you, Ifran. And thanks to all the new subscribers. That's patreon.com slash district sentinel. We've got more haiku coming up next week for Jacob, Brendan, and Ian. Before we go, let's check out the listener rant line. Hey, guys, it's uh, Mailman Paul. I'm just uh, on my lunch break. So I thought I'd call in. Um, I got the – I have a California Highway Patrol. I've got an office of theirs on my route, and they always order that uh, black rifle coffee. Remember that coffee? A couple years ago, the guy said he's going to hire 10,000 veterans and – I think they hired like a. I think they have a staff of like a hundred people or something. That's so good. I just think it's so funny the cops are getting veteran coffee. You gotta stick with their brand, you know. Also, there's this old lady on my route. She gets uh, Turning Point USA mailers delivered to her house. She's like the oldest person on my route. Uh, shit. Anyway. Well, thanks for supporting the USCS and fuck the new Postmaster General and uh, join the IWW, everyone. All right, bye. Hey, Sentinel gang. It's White Sox Lex. Um, Wanted to come in with an update. Um, First of all, the episode I did with Tom and Don on You Can't Win About Baseball is out. It's um, We had a lot of fun recording it. The other thing I want to get to is the Awful Pundit Tournament update. Um, Next week... Friday, this Friday, will be the beginning of Michael Tracy versus Kevin Drum in, I I believe it's week six or, I think, yeah, week seven. It might be week seven matchups of round one. Um, Either way, we're still in round one of the Putrid Pundit Invitational. And um, the bracket, the big bracket for the 2021 Awful Pundit Tournament Undisputed Title Championship, that bad bracket has been released. You can see all of the 64 pundits that qualified for the worst in the world. And uh, that's the update here. Uh, Hope you guys are all doing well. Peace out. Well, sounds like things are really heating up over there at the awful pundit tournament. Slater putting in the work. Keep it up. Happy to be a patron over here at the Sentinel. That's the show. Call the rant line 202-684-6108. Leave a message. We will play it on air. We've got a brand new edition of Chip Chat on tomorrow's show. And then Thursday, Means Morning News for the Means TV subscribers out there. And then we're back Friday with the Garbage Can Show. Um, A bit of a programming note. uh, We are going on vacation next week and the week after that. So the newscasts, uh, we'll, we'll be taking a break from those. Um, we might be releasing some content, 
I think we'll probably have a chip chat drop uh, one or two during that time period. Um, there will be some some sparse content, but for the most part, uh, the newscast is going on a bit of a hiatus. Uh, I think that's all. I think that's all the programming note I have to report. Uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks for uh, listening in. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be. <laughs>